0: One giant step. It's playoff week. It's wild card weekend week. Oh man, I thought I may never see this again in my lifetime. It's been a long, long time, and nobody has gotten on a boat so far this week. It's Sean Morris. It's Paul DeTito. It's Giants Vikings wild card week. Paul, hello. Happy wild card week to you. uh This is awesome, man. I'm so pumped up. We're you know we're taping this what four days, three days. I who cares how many days. Let's get there. Yeah, I'm with you, Sean. Good morning. And, you know, I don't think anybody
1: behind the scenes, when they put this thing together, expected us to go to week 19.
0: (laughs) In In fact, Paul, I would argue that one giant step is so many of you have, have, you know, grown and listened and joined on along the season. I can guarantee you that if the bosses above our head knew that the New York Giants would be playing on Wild Card Weekend, this podcast that would z- exist with me and you would not exist. They Probably were in not. love with the idea of the Giants sucking and therefore putting me and you together to yell at each other. But instead, yes. instead you and I basically are going to be on each other's Christmas card list next year. Um, <laughs> enough, we're basically Dable's Little Elves, and it's worked out that way. So it's great.
1: Very, very good. Hey, I, you know, it's, it's funny. The other day, I was, I was talking to somebody about, the, you know, the Vikings and Giants meeting in the playoffs again. And you obviously remember the last time that they played in 2000 when the Giants wiped them out 41-0. And the one thing I will say, and it's the only thread that even attaches this game to that game, is that, as you recall, that Vikings offense was incredibly potent. Yeah. And most people thought that, you know, the Giants would have a very difficult time with them, and the Giants shut them out. And it was after the game that Jesse Armstead came up to the podium and took out a piece of paper that he had hidden under the base of the stanchion. And he held it up, and it said zero. He had predicted before the game that the Giants would shut
0: out the powerful Minnesota Vikings, and in fact, that's what they did. Incredible. And in many ways, Paul, by the way, I rewatched that game two days ago. I mean, Ike Hilliard was so good in that game. Oh, yeah. And people oh, forget yeah. that game's forty-one nothing. The Giants basically did nothing offensively in the second half. That is an entire. They didn't have camp. to. Yeah, the fumbled kickoff, all of that. But and it's Kerry really- Collins was phenomenal oh, that day. Great. One of the greatest playoff games the quarterbacks ever had. And the bruise on Greg Camella's ass after hitting the hard turf that day. Uh, the field, of paint and mud stuff with Wellington Mara. Uh, and look, not everything was always rosy with Giants-Vikings. Remember Randall Cunningham, the Giant team, fighting uh, versus the Randall Cunningham Vikings in 97. The Chris Calloway, obviously, muffed kick, which, by the way. Ah, was the first- Jake Reed touchdown where one foot was out of bounds, but yeah. there was no replay. Well, but you got to understand. So somebody like me, I'm born in 1987. So the 1997 Giants for me are really my first true taste of, you know, at that time, you know, as you approach, you know, late elementary school, or early junior high, you fall in sure. love with the game, right? Like I had always been watching games with my dad, but I started to really understand the game. That team when they go on that run, like that was everything for me. That was where I fell in love with the giants was the 97 giants. So watching them crumble like that, uh, was my first scar. My first deep cut as a giant fan. And then three years later, I'm in like eighth grade when they went, <laughs> they beat the Vikings. And that's my favorite team of all time. In fact, I have two daughters. One is named Taylor, obvious reasons, Lawrence Taylor. The other is named Peyton spelled Why? The 2000 Giants are my favorite offense of all time. I loved Kerry Collins. I was the only kid that year uh, asking basically for Christmas for a Kerry Collins jersey. So I have Peyton and Taylor, thanks to my Giant fandom growing up, and Sean Peyton was every bit a part of that. So Giants-Vikings, we've seen it before. Uh, the only difference here, we're going to be going on the road to Minnesota in a obviously a new stadium. The stadium, despite what Adam Gates says, I think will be very loud, but one that I think is going to be a lot of fun. And, Paul, not to keep rambling on, but you mentioned the 2000 potent offense. Clearly, it's a different game from 22 years ago, but kind of a similar sense and a similar feel around this game, right? A Giants offense that has struggled at times this year but has shown you the capabilities and a quarterback that now we're believing in, uh, Kerry Collins, a yep. stud running back, Tiki Barber, Saquon Barkley. And how does a defense figure out how to cover Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook, similar to what we felt with that Viking team? I know they're much different teams, and you believed in the Vikings then more than now. Right. But right. still, matchup-wise, a lot of the same feels. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, you have to remember something, too. Uh, that Minnesota team was a dome team just like this one is. Yes. And and it was primarily, you know, geared, even though they both had good running backs. Robert Smith uh, was, was the running back in those days for the Vikes. But it was really all about ripping the ball around to the various targets, trying to I don't know if they were trying to really simulate the former Kurt Warner Rams or the greatest show on turf, but it certainly looked like they were trying to make some kind of facsimile uh, with their particular offense. And to some degree, really, that's, that's what the Vikings are right now, except they got Swiss cheese on an offensive line.
0: Yeah, totally. And I guess we will we will lead there, talking about the injuries, Paul, because we really got to get in the weeds on this game a little bit. Um, I've talked to, you know, the people I have out in Minnesota a little bit, and obviously that big deal has been made about the Giants getting healthy at the right time, and maybe the Vikings now not being healthy at the right time, which in comparison to what we saw a couple weeks ago on Christmas Eve makes a big difference. We are taping this, as we always do, on a Thursday morning, so we don't have clearly final injury reports. It should be noted that Bradbury, the center for Minnesota, was practicing on a limited basis on Wednesday. And there is now more optimism than there had been on Monday or Tuesday. But even so, as we know, Paul, the right tackle situation is still going to be a disaster. But as we know, it's the playoffs, right? So games where guys would sit out in the regular season now are more likely going to play. It doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be as effective as they would be if they're playing through some injuries just to try to gut this out because it's both seasons on.
1: Well, you got to remember something, Sean. Even if he does play, and you can make an argument for the Vikings, they need to figure out, are they better off with Chris Reed, the converted guard, and third-string center, who's only had one start there? Are they better off with him there, or are they better off with Bradbury, who is going to be rusty, who's coming off a back injury that clearly hampered him and sidelined him for a number of weeks? I, I... if I'm the Vikings, I'm not feeling real good about either one of those guys right now.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And with that, Paul, I think this is very important to note. The Vikings have a negative three-point differential. A lot of people have pointed to that. And I think you could make the argument two ways for Minnesota. You could either say they've been in so many close games, 6-0 and in one-score games, that, including that big comeback against the Colts, that maybe they're tighter as a group, and maybe they're more battle-tested and they won't flinch in a tight game late. Or you can make the case, well, they've had a lot of lucky breaks and balls that bounce their way, and that's why they're in this position. But, hey, the Giants are no strangers to that either. I think ultimately when talking about the offensive line, that is where this game is going to be won for me. It's going to be – we can have all the conversations we want about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. The Giants have now built a defensive front, and the way you build it with those two edge rushers and Ojalary and Thibodeau and the two guys in the middle with Williams and Lawrence and obviously throwing Jihad Ward and everything else that goes with it. But when you build a line like that, it is how San Francisco has made runs to the Super Bowl in one playoff games. You get after the quarterback, and you create turnovers. This is very important to note. The Vikings have lost four games in blowout fashion. The Eagle Monday night game, the Cowboy game, the Lions game, and the Packer game a couple weeks ago. Combined, combined in those games, they completely lost the turnover battle. In fact, Minnesota only forced one combined turnover in those four games. From a defensive side, they forced almost two a game other than that, and that is how they've won the close games to turnovers. And that was the difference in the Christmas Eve game, right? The Bellinger fumble, the Jones pick, those the, the block punt. Those mistakes and those turnovers, that is how Minnesota's capitalized. They actually get blown out if they can't force turnovers. That's been the case this year. So the Giants, using their defensive front, they need to be the ones forcing the turnovers and make sure that turnover battle is tilted here, Paul.
1: Well – Let's take a look at something very interesting. Uh, And there's a common thread. We talked about it before the Giants-Vikings game last month. Against Philadelphia, they scored seven points. Against Washington, they scored 20. Against Dallas, they scored three. And then against the Giants, they scored 27. But again, they had one very short field courtesy of a blocked punt, which they converted into a touchdown. They also needed a phenomenal Hawkinson catch where he high-pointed a ball against two defensive backs to make a spectacular grab that I'd say he probably could only make five out of ten times if you threw it to him. So, And that's not because it's a knock on him. It's just because it was that incredible of a grab. Right, right, right. So what is the common denominator between those four games? And I'm not talking about it's four teams in the NFC East. I'm talking about it's four defenses that have a very formidable pass rush with a very difficult defensive line to deal with. That's what you need to do to make the Minnesota Vikings offense incredibly pedestrian, okay? So that's the first point that has to be brought up.